There we go. There we go. I just I didn't think you were bold enough to have like pornographic, even like joke material on your like desktop. I'm like, that is the family computer. I'm like, well, that's just yeah. That'd be absolutely no need for that. I mean, it's not like I have a. Uh, like a weird desk job where I can just have pictures of big, like bathing suit models <laughs> <laughs> like up on the sides and I work with only men and some I'm a I'm over at a bunch of guys at a factory. That's what it is. Please. Jesus, what what, what do you want from me? I want to talk. Then talk to your daughter. I can't. She does not understand. What? What doesn't she understand? I'm lonely. Greta, everybody's lonely. That does not mean you get to follow people around and terrorize them. Everybody needs a friend. You have your Erica. No. No, you leave Erica out of this. You said you always stick around like chewing gum. Are you insane? Please. Let's try and start again. I love you. You don't even know me. I tried to talk to you, I tried. But you wouldn't listen. People can't keep doing this to me. Uh, all right, I'm, uh, I hadn't told you this. I probably should since we're getting ready to talk about them. Sure. I'm thinking about just breaking these up into three smaller episodes just for the grand gesture. Okay. Since they all have that romantic element. And that way we don't have to do the comparative thing we just kind of go go to one go to the other then and that's just i got three episodes so basically you have a month's worth of Derek stewart oh yeah ready to go so <laughs> sure i yeah i'm cool with it i'm prepared everything's written down you have you change down. format no i have nothing yeah i need to check and see like usually i make like a small note like on my like iphone or ipad it'll be like mm-hmm. one sentence it'll be like one scene that i find amusing but then I forget about it. I forget that I like got that down <laughs> and it'll be like six months later. And I'm like, why do I have this note on Greta? What the fuck is this? Well, you uh, can always just go back and add that in. Right. Uh, six months. I don't know. We're, we're getting into like George Lucas territory for podcasts. So it's like <laughs> maybe one or two people will discover this edition of it. Uh, That's usually when I go back and listen to your stuff. It's weird, man. Like, like uh, I, I had uh yesterday I looked and it was like 160, of the older episodes on War Machine versus Warhorse had one download. So it's like one person went through and downloaded 160 of like stuff from like three years ago. Mm. That's strange to me. Cause I, it, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't just randomly go like, you know what? Let's backtrack three years <laughs> and see what they were like, <laughs> you know, in 2016, I usually just like go from the top maybe make it six months. And then at right. that point I can't keep up. I just keep up with whatever's new and that's it. Someone wants to see your progression, how you've matured as a critic. Some of those are pretty rough. Pretty rough. <laughs> All right. So Derek Stewart 
from the Suspiria episode. Boy, that was fun. <laughs> back for another, I guess your theme, at least for, you know, back to back appearances is older women taking advantage <laughs> of younger women. That's, 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 that's the box I've put you in. It's a weird top cast that I, I guess I'll just own it for whatever reason. It really has nothing to do with any of your life experiences that I'm aware <laughs> of any sort of like, you know, um, you know, particular, uh, perception you can bring to this, except you watched both movies and was the spear you got on Wikipedia and tried to do some <laughs> reading exactly. on the plot points. Greta's a little bit easier. A little bit. Like it's pretty much what I just said, right? <laughs> it's like yeah. Old I mean, lady. You just basically gave the whole plot away. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, that's some of the criticism I saw about this one is like, well, this is a movie you've seen before. I don't know if I've seen it exactly, but you've definitely seen this type of movie. Maybe it may be the the age gap may be more extreme than your run the mill like sort of uh, single white female type thing. I think it's usually right. like a little bit closer, like uh, any sort of like you know friendship that crosses over into jealousy and uh, you know maybe threat level <laughs> in the red. Usually, you have to be closer in age to sort of amplify that, like wanting to control another person. Right. Well, and a lot of the time, at least in my experiences it uh, of, of some of these, I guess, similar films, it's like you said, the ages are pretty close um, because you see that kind of that person that's obsessed, almost wanting to be that person that, that they've kind of latched onto in a parasitic kind of way. And so it makes it a lot more uh, sensible to, to occur if it's someone that's in that same age range or same culture or something like that. But with this, where there's such a gap uh, you don't really see a lot of of that where where you're seeing Greta's character wanting to be uh, Chloe Grace Moretz um, or be you know be like her. See, uh, I, I never saw it, but I, I heard the comparison to Mommy Dearest. I, I mm. guess just that yeah. uh, sort of taking on this Chloe Grace Moretz character is like her own, like sure. even though. But that's that's kind. I think that's just goes back to the generational difference because I don't I don't really see like a mothering aspect to it this is more like more like keeping a pet is what she wants right just a presence that's around but she does frame it though it like uh like she's taking on this mother role which that's is her I guess, part of the manipulation <laughs> exactly that is that's her, move. her you know as she goes up to the bar and buys this young lady a drink that's her <laughs> her line yeah and it, it works about as well as you would think it you know would like hey yeah how about I, I mean, imagine mommy now <laughs> exactly. Imagine me going to the bar and saying, do you need a daddy? I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, somehow, both would not work. somehow more acceptable. I think <laughs> <laughs> like at least then you're just like, you sound like a, you know, a pig. You just sound like a pervert. Right. Whereas this, I think with Isabel Huppert saying those words to Chloe Grace Moretz, you immediately think, okay, there's something wrong with this person. Oh, I guess that maybe that's more depressing is that people wouldn't think there's anything necessarily wrong with you. They're like, well, <laughs> he's a man. Exactly. <laughs> they say they, that shit. They would place it more on like cultural issues with men versus Greta just being crazy, which is kind of how we see her. We see that way before, unfortunately, Chloe Grace Moretz sees it. Everyone wanna, else sees it before them. I want to get her. into that because normally in these type of films, I hate the roommate and I kind of started to hate the roommate here. Yeah. Uh, which is the, the lead from it follows. 
uh, I think her name's Monroe. Um, she, <laughs> she, I guess is playing like the big city sort of like mouse to the, the, the country mouse of Chloe Grace Moretz. Like you're in New York now. You can't just like talk to strangers. You can't just right. return their purse to them and do something nice. They're probably a freak. And hearing that, like, I, I, I like the way that Chloe Grace Moretz plays it. Like she's not like too defensive, but she's just sort of like, okay, you're kind of making a little bit more out of this than what it is. Like someone, anyone could leave something in a subway, like their purse, whatever. And sure. it's just being the, kind it's the decent thing to do is just return that if you have the power to do so i believe right. her roommate the first instinct is let's see how much cash she has and let's like <laughs> go get a pedicure or something like just like not just saying like be careful but let's take advantage of anything that comes our way like anything that is going to be a lapse in someone else's judgment that's just for our own betterment so right initially i was very dismissive of this character i'm like well we've seen this before like you know, if you're in New York City, you've got to be cold and calculated and wasteful, excessive, like <laughs> <laughs> with other people's misfortune. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it in the film, she ends up being like <laughs> the smartest one. The most reasonable character is the one that's the asshole. Yeah. I mean, she's the only one that that's actually has any sort of intelligence whatsoever, which is saying a lot, unfortunately. Because even though she starts with that premise of you can't trust this, don't take this purse back, which seems completely illogical. Like you said, if I find a purse there, I don't want to go with the conclusion that someone left it there so they can kidnap me um, or hurt me in some way. But However, at the same time, yeah. would you actually go the extra mile to like hand deliver it, or would you just like try to contact exactly. the person and that be it? exactly like, okay. there? Therein lies, I think uh, the the. With the separation for me uh, with Chloe Grace's uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's character, I would never, and I don't, I wouldn't hope that most people wouldn't decide. I'm just going to go to this person's house by myself, um, and I'm new to the city, so I really don't even know where I'm at. You know, once I get there, um, that kind of stuff to me is where I can kind of connect more with her roommate, uh, just with the mindset of you don't know people. Uh, yes, it's perfectly fine that this person did lose this purse, but there are plenty of places you can meet them in public to deliver this. I also like the, um, just sticking with the sort of generational aspect, I guess, of like manners or, you know, I guess like protecting one's, uh, personal life was, it did seem to be like a very intimate act with this being present day with Chloe Grace Moretz, like the exchange of like. A phone number and mm -hmm. like an address you know she eventually like when she befriends this woman sort of somehow she finds out where she works i can only assume that it's just come up in conversation sure and it's those little details that i feel like it's strange for as much uh as much as there's like privacy concerns with like social media there is like even when we were doing this recording like you, you sort of said hey someone's calling me and my initial reaction is like someone's calling you like who calls like, like that, right. that seemed to be like a great <laughs> like don't they know like you and I are having a Skype conversation with video looking at each other and to me this person that was just calling you without that being like a pre-planned thing like okay Take, no takes beforehand <laughs> that that seemed to be some like an assault of some sort like oh that is overstepping by far i like that aspect of this like people keep saying we've seen this before but i feel like the roommate character kind of saves that by keep she keeps bringing up stuff that i think now people would think about like 
no, I, I want to have some sort of barrier in place with you. Like you right. may, you may have one avenue of contacting me, but I'm not going to give up everything. Like that's just like too far. And do you think that uh, Chloe Grace Moritz is able to to kind of uh, uh, feel a little bit safer about that connection just because Greta is this old feeble lady where if it like we were saying if it were someone that was her age or within her same age range would she feel as comfortable um to give all that information to go to to connect and continue to go to her house and things of that nature it but you know she's she's 97 pounds and she seems like she lives alone and she seems like she lives alone and that she has nothing or no one and so you know no, no big deal she can have my number and she can call me that's sweet well, yeah, I mean, I don't think an, an older man is going to get that that same sort of safety net. Right. Um, uh, you know, a man that's more her age, depending on the type of movie. You know, if, if you're going to put it under that sort of meet cute lens, this is, you know, this is a romantic comedy, or it's a thriller that starts like a romantic comedy before he reveals himself to be like Marky Mark from fear. It's like the perfect guy who suddenly becomes abusive. Like starts know, hitting himself in the chest outside at the, and... at the end of act one, he, he unleashes the, the Hulk, you know, he's been hiding the whole time. It's no longer banner, but I, it, you know, this one, I'm trying to think like, cause it's, it's been a couple weeks, I think since it came out. And mm. from my recollection, I feel like, is it the phone calls like the like that they're repetitive or just far too many phone calls where Chloe Grace Moretz says, OK, this is like off putting and kind of a little scary. Or is it or is it the the restaurant? I mean, what, how would you define it? Because when she shows up at the restaurant, that's when she like says that she just states this is a boundary that you have crossed and I won't accept. Right. Shopley. May I? bit like you. Promises a lot, then disappoints. Okay. I deserve better! Oh my god. I'm so sorry. You can't do this to me. To us. Are you a child? No, you're the child. You need someone to love. You need a mother to hold you. You love someone and you're afraid to love. We both know it's true. Don't you dare talk to me about my mother. Darling, don't you understand? She had to die. She had to die for us to me! Are you out of your mind? You just can't accept it! Look at her! She's full of love, of grieving! She's gone out Just accept it! It's called Morbida! I think the... Well, I mean, first it starts with her seeing the 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 number of purses that are actually even in the cabinet. But and so I think that was <laughs> actually, her first moment. I actually told my wife Brittany, I'm like, well, <laughs> to I'm be like, fair, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's not necessarily. I'm like, like when you look into the purse and you see like that she's got like her number prepared. That's when I, but because I'm thinking like, well, it's an old lady. I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe she fucking <laughs> sold these like fucking forty years ago. Maybe she worked at a handbag store. I, because I, I, it's it's a strange like <laughs> New York like uh, side street like mm -hmm. bungalow she kind of has. So it's like I I wondered like I, maybe I'm stupid. But I'm Chloe Grace Prince. I'm like her house is kind of weird for like living in the city, and she's obviously she's foreign. She's like a world traveler. I, I was I was even giving her that benefit where it's like that's not the weirdest thing to me the weirdest I go back to the phone calls you call me fifty times and not to see like hey how are you or you text me too many times 
I don't care how many damn purses she has. Maybe she just likes the style. <laughs> Maybe they don't make them anymore. <laughs> well, it was enough to where she didn't even want to go into any sort of inquiry with her over dinner. It wasn't like, so do you make these for a living? She was uncomfortable <laughs> enough, which would maybe lend itself to the idea that she was yeah, already in. You know, I understand that. Signs. Any yeah. questions I have, <laughs> that's why I answered one of those 50 phone calls that night. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> what's up with those handbags? <laughs> Just having to stumble across them. <laughs> I guess it would be more comfortable to ask that over the phone than than in mm. person, just because you wouldn't want to know necessarily the response. Um, but I think it was the the phone calls. I, I think initially, uh, you know, made her really uncomfortable because it was. I think it was at all times of day, and it was you know voicemails, multiples of those. Um, and when she shows up at the restaurant, I think that's where it elevates it to a completely different level for her. Um, it goes from, okay, this is somewhat creepy. This is off putting. I'm not a big fan of this, but you know, out of sight, out of mind, eventually she'll stop calling, but now she's standing outside and she's staring at me. I mean, this is, this is going to be your area of expertise. So I'm glad I have you talking about this movie, but I, I know there, there's no logic to this fictional character and people who would act out in this way, um, <laughs> logic's kind of out the window anyway, if you're calling right. that many times, the idea of leaving a purse behind to like meet someone or someone, I guess you presume is decent enough to like return your belongings to you is a little creepy to me, but like with her age, I was, I was also giving the character the benefit of the doubt that like uh, that, that loneliness where I, I could understand someone doing something creepy. I'm also saying that as a man, which, you know, <laughs> I think as a woman, you would have your guard up your armor a little way bit. more than I would, where I'm like, you know what? lonely old lady <laughs> kind of cute whatever like you know give her a break <laughs> jesus <laughs> talk about dead air i almost don't know what to say to any of that <laughs> well okay that goes back to the the logic of it where you know her i guess her just need to control this person like physically mm. and also dominate every second of their day like a, a character as played by chloe grace moretz here is really like probably giving her like as much as a reasonable new friendship between two strangers could. She's like come up. She's like enjoys going to the park and like having conversations right. with her, like exchange. It's like she likes like hearing about this woman's life story, which as it starts to unravel proves to be a great deal of it's false, but there, she's genuine. In it. She, I don't think the way she plays a character that she's just doing it out of pity. Like she's not like me where she's like, right. only old hag, <laughs> give her something, give her a breadcrumb, just, you know, break off a little piece. <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz for Isabella Fair. Oh no. <laughs> Look, I think that's better. That, that actually makes a little bit more sense than your like, call me daddy <laughs> bar pickup line. <laughs> I think your implications there only go one way. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> But that's why I'm tossing it to you, because that's something I can't get into that headspace of someone being that desperate for human contact, <laughs> ensnaring someone, and then doing everything in their power to make this person suspicious of your motives. When, as we've seen with the roommate, most normal people, or I guess people of this generation, are going to be suspicious of you from the jump. From you found someone who's beginning. not... Yeah, and you still manage to make them suspicious by your own actions. Yeah, well, and I, that's where I think here. Here's where I completely agree. 
I, I do think that for Chloe Grace Moretz, that was a real and genuine relationship. And I think that even at some point uh, before it was explicitly stated by Greta, she probably did kind of see her as this mothery figure, uh, feeling some void as much as you can with, with someone that you didn't already have a developed relationship with. So, I mean, in our reality, Greta was probably already in with, with their relationship, as far as you could probably be for someone with that much of an age gap, um, we see her not go to to hang out with her roommate uh, with uh, you know, age appropriate outings because she wants to, to do dinner uh, with Greta. Do you think so the roommate's personality, if we can extrapolate that, that's probably a lot of the Moretz's character, like her peer group, that sort of cynicism on people. Yep. Do you think that pushes her? to like want to step outside of that group and like talk to someone from a different generation, like someone with a different worldview. Probably, probably. I think part of it is, is that she would have been around a lot of people that had the same kind of statements and thoughts on the matter. So it's kind of fresh to, to hear from someone else probably feels more in line with the kind of cautious optimism that she comes from not being from a big city. Um, at the same oh. time, <laughs> Like, <laughs> I think the film makes a mistake there because I'm thinking she's from like Iowa or something. I don't know. You see her dad. <laughs> she's from Boston. Like, that's like <laughs> what's <laughs> major misstep. <laughs> this girl is just from the town square. You know, everybody knows everybody. <laughs> Hated that. that was my issue, and I don't <laughs> think I recall hearing where she's from. But you know, noticing and cutting back to her father, who is running some business or something like that. And I'm like, she's not, you know, she's not from from you know Kansas or, or something like that. I mean, she, you know, she's probably well traveled uh, to some extent, and, and so this this isn't her first time probably being around folks in a big city, um, but she does connect with her maybe even to be somewhat of a contrarian to her her roommate that's trying to tell her what to do and 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 how to live in this city she's like no i i can trust people it's it's perfectly fine this woman's not gonna hurt me um she she probably also thinks that she can't that the woman doesn't have the capacity yeah i didn't (laughs) i had this i I had this conversation with with Brittany, my wife uh and i actually felt like (laughs) this wouldn't be appropriate for the podcast but Fuck it. Mm-hmm. I guess we're there, but it was really both of us. <laughs> we're like one of the issues, maybe with the film is that Isabel Uper is not. This is not Jack Nicholson, The Shining, where mm-hmm. you know, poor Shelley Duvall is eighty pounds soaking wet, and he's right. a fucking maniac. And even when Uper is like at her most deranged here, which I did like, she's like. <laughs> She's a classy lady as far as her like movement. Like she's not like stick flicking her tongue out. She's not swinging a baseball bat. Like she's got this weird sort of like dancer's gait is like her big like finishing move on people. <laughs> and I don't think the film, I, I want it to be trashier in the sense that I know Chloe Grace Ratz is not fucking Ripley you know, <laughs> telling that bitch, you know, to, to get away from her or anything, but you still look at it and you're like, you know, if you put hands on this woman, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably all right. Like as awkward as that is to, <laughs> to beat up a senior citizen. Okay. 
I, this is this is the one thing I kept thinking when I was watching this movie in the theater by myself, completely alone, mind you. Uh, no one was there. <laughs> sounds uh, about right. <laughs> it sounds about right. So I, my my first thought was, how do I say this when, when this comes up in the podcast of how angry I am right now? Because <laughs> to not see an old lady beaten up. Well, on screen. <laughs> you know, and I part of me. Well, let, I'll fix that. Let me fix that. That because <laughs> that might be what's coming across. Uh, but my my honest thought was let. If I'm working somewhere and, and I have this person who won't stop calling me and is standing outside and is causing me to potentially lose my job and now it's taking pictures of my of my roommate and they're you know fifty five pounds or you know whatever eighty five pounds. Also, didn't feel like she had the. Uh, she doesn't have a smartphone. She's got a flip phone that she sort of casually tells this young girl, "I don't even know how to take pictures." Oh yeah, and then uh, she. I she mean, she is taking it. like. Mm-hmm. she's got the the latest iphone google pixel where she's on on her roommate's ass like i mean in, yeah. in glorious detail i'm thinking I don't, I don't think that your fucking motorola razor is like <laughs> getting that detail like and that's you know for the film to be as like kind of over the top like veering into comedy i thought they missed some humor there where you got clay grace and rats like squinting like what what am i looking at oh <laughs> I guess my roommate's being stopped. <laughs> like, like they're my, my shoes are being, you know, having pictures taken where, of where's them. Where's the old people don't know how to use a cell phone gag there, Neil Jordan. Like you could have her where she's like <laughs> taking a picture of her own face or like the wall, like trying to stalk this girl. You could have gone goofier. It's already a goofy enough movie, but it, it has is. this, it has this air of like wanting to be like something that could be on like PBS. I don't, I don't know if their their target audience was like older people. So it's like, this is like deathly serious. Like this woman's mental health issues. I, but this, this feels like a De Palma movie without, <laughs> I don't know, like the lesbian sex scene or something. Yeah. It, I don't, I don't know. There were, there were certain moments where I didn't think that the film knew what it really wanted to be. Cause it could have went more in the humor uh, direction, but then there were certain periods in which it took this more, uh, I guess, serious approach to, like I said, to mental health, to the fact that that someone's life is really on the line. They're they're really legitimately being threatened. Um, and maybe the movie would have only been five minutes if I had uh, directed it, because I probably just would have went in and choked her and been done with it. <laughs> <laughs> just, she probably got thrown through that window, and I would have quit my job, and I would have went back home, and that been that that would have been the end of it. <laughs> Um, and I think that's what made me so mad throughout the film. The was image that of I'm, Chloe Grace Moretz choking <laughs> out an old lady in the street. <laughs> would you? Would you not have enjoyed that? I mean, it would have been hilarious. I mean, in my audience, and I, you know, I have to admit, I said, you know, who are they targeting? Uh, my audience seemed like a bunch of retirees, and hmm. but they were actually like they laughed it up a couple of times, like that sort of nervous energy of like, yeah, where the hell is this going? Like there, and there are some moments in the third act with Isabella Hubert where it seems like that's the way she's playing it. She's playing it like this is ridiculous. I'm now kind of like a cartoon villain, which it, she that, seemed to enjoy playing this role. That that makes it awkward when you're <laughs> like like me for the first you know half hour I'm thinking, do I feel sorry for this woman? Like, do Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for this like longing she has for human interaction? (laughs) Then I I feel like the film smacks me in the face. Like you dumbass. It's not that type (laughs) of movie. But and so maybe I'm just lashing out like, well, like if you're not that type of movie, why am I not having more fun with this? Like that's, that's kind of what I felt by the end of it. There, There are avenues for that. You are basically, uh, Chloe Grace Barrett's. Oh, I don't want to be her. Well, you found yourself in that direction. 
I guess I'd be the friend and say, I want to be, man, uh, just, just, just like punch her out. What are you oh, doing? Oh, okay. You get to be, is it Micah, Maka Monroe from It Follows? Yeah. You get to be the cool girl then. I see. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of layers to her. Thanks. I'll, I'll take her too. <laughs> well, like you said, she was, I mean, she just kind of followed this, that one, you know, just kind of that one dimension of just being a pessimistic city girl. Um, but I guess, you know, I, if I could choose, I mean, that seems to be the, you know, the, the cautionary tale theme, I guess, unfortunately, which is, um, you know, avoid making connections with people because there's the possibility that they'll misread yep. what that particular incident. I, I feel like movies also probably not that, you know, this isn't like in glorious bastards where it's like, you know, film is like part of like the, the text of the, the movie itself. But you know, oftentimes like romantic comedies are blamed for like skewing people's like perceptions of like the real world, like reading into happenstance as fate or destiny or in, in particular with relationships that this person doing just a polite act is an act of like passion or interest for you. It's you could basically say that this film is an urban legend telling young kids uh in the country don't go to the city because this is what will happen to you <laughs> stay you can, in boston you can, stay, stay, in boston. In, stay in the farmland <laughs> <laughs> uh you can have all these uh great values and morals about helping your fellow man but uh when you go to the city i mean it's like mad max and you know people are going to harm you and it's a dangerous it's a dangerous uh area to go i mean that's the the grand gesture here and this is a you know, it's a relatively new film, so it's kind of spoilerish, but, the, you know, the grand gesture is, you know, the the character that is the most cynical um, having, and it's interesting, like, her, I guess, her little way to, like, investigate the situation and confirm all of, like, her worst suspicions of, I guess, humanity. Not not just this person, but just like, mm-hmm, this mm -hmm. is why you don't return someone's person. This is why you just <laughs> rob them blind. Like, you take advantage of their misfortune. Uh <laughs> That's 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 the grand gesture here. And so it is a weird like I think it works in the context of a thriller, but you have to come out of that movie and I don't know, is that I mean, is that is that really the goal of like going to a movie be scared is to like sort of <laughs> reaffirm your own personal dickishness in the real world? Like <laughs> that's why I don't reach out to people. That's why nope, just the you know, the four or five assholes I hang out with. That's good enough for me. At least you know what you're getting with that. You don't have to. You don't have to worry about. It. You, you saw that I didn't pick up the phone when I just got a call when we started, um, because I don't. Want, uh, I don't want the same fate. So there you go. I don't. I don't know if it's to reaffirm or, or to. I don't know uh, when it when it comes to that. I just think um, it, it sets a tone uh, to to be on guard at all times, whether that's what you went into it, assuming or not, you're going to walk out of it with with um, a greater sense of awareness of what you don't do, uh, which is connect with people. So which is fine for millennials anyway. I mean, you're you're a new father, so there's going to be that aspect of it where there's this, you know, protectionism in a way of wanting you know, wanting your family to be aware of what could happen. But it's something sure. I think about it's mainly more with podcasts and movies at this point, like the, the rise in like uh true crime as like a popular subgenre, but in particular with podcasts, but you'll, you know, uh, you know, HBO miniseries or books or what have you. All right. And I do wonder 
with this like blip of this, I don't want to call it a fad, but just this like quick uprising of that being something that's like a common thing for people to be interested in these like horrible, horrible cases of like the worst things in the world happening to people. <clears throat> Do you think that's going to have some sort of lasting effect? Like from this, like kind of point on people to where they are more closed off and more sort of shut in from, you know, from those sweet rom-com moments, like, you know, finding a nice handbag. <laughs> uh, probably, <laughs> probably just because, uh, I think we've already seen it, uh, happen in, in history anyway. How often do you hear folks that are maybe your parents age, my parents age, uh, talk about how, you know, things were so different uh, when we were growing up, you could just leave the front door open and X, Y, and Z of, of, you could just have people that would come that over never... and visit never made much sense to me anyway just in the no. I, not like someone's gonna come and kill me but just like what if i want to sit in the living room in my underwear like at, <laughs> at what point can i relax my own home like where people didn't not, do that back then <laughs> <laughs> fully dressed well yeah even when they were going to bed in their separate you know twin beds <laughs> that they shared with their their husband or wife <laughs> they had a curtain drawn <laughs> to undress <laughs> Right down the middle. <laughs> but I think, you, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, when you look at uh, kind of that run of, of serial killers, um, sociopaths kind of hitting the news in the, in the 60s and 70s, um, and just that, that uh, hysteria and panic really probably did change individuals' perceptions about how much they could trust even their next door neighbor. Uh, how, how much they could trust extended family members to watch their kids, uh, that kind of thing. And so you're probably seeing an even more elevated version of that right now just because it's so popular to, well, to go back and, and look at this stuff. The thing that bothers me about it is that you know, you're just going back over for the most part the same material. Yeah. Like, you know, the what was it, the Golden State Killer that uh that you know was just caught through like DNA last year. Evidence. Yeah. You know, that's a crime, like a horrible crime, but it's stuff that was from the 70s, I believe early 80s. And just because you've become aware of it <laughs> doesn't mean that there's now a new rash of like, right. there's even more reason to be suspicious of. I don't know. I, I think maybe you just stay with your own age group. <laughs> Maybe it's old people. I thought you were going to say kind. Stay with your own kind. <laughs> well, because I'm trying to think of like, let's see, the kid, like Ted Bundy. How much older was he? Then the co-eds that probably, I would say within five years. I mean, he was, he was still, still perceived young. as an, but he was perceived as like not a peer, right? Wasn't he like the older man that needed help? Kind of. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, I don't know if he was looked at as a family man, but he was kind of just looked at as a charming older guy. Um, that may have been in law school at the time. So if you're talking about co-ed, you're talking maybe just five or six years later of, of a gap. Kind of off base, but um, <laughs> I think as men, we, you know, for the most part, don't have to fear as much or we don't, you know, there's not the, the, the particularly the fear of sexual assault, which I, I know that does happen, but it's not ingrained, I think, in like young men that – someone would have an interest in them other than to rob them for like their possessions. Like not, right. uh, not for just existing as a woman. But I, I do wonder like also watching something like this where I'm like, I'm not probably closer in age to Isabel Huppert. I'm probably still closer in age to like Chloe Grace Moretz, but I feel closer to Isabel Huppert <laughs> than I do Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> 
hints the relatability and the sensitivity do you have to her to her plot, I guess. I just wonder if there's a threshold. You know how like, you know, advertising is targeting like the like sixteen to like thirty one age group. Is that the cutoff where no one cares about you to even kill you anymore? Like is it just youth that people are looking to destroy? Because I'm trying to think how many like middle aged men or like, do you ever hear about being like stalked or like, you know, targeted in any way? Exactly. Well, I think it's, and I think that's part of it is going after a, a, an age group in which there is probably more optimism um, or less kind of insight about what to be careful for. So you don't see that. It's also group. more tragic than the people that are like ready for the grave already. Exactly. <laughs> I've got a mortgage and debt and. <laughs> They had one foot in the grave anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> I should have had uh, my co-host from Sober Cinema on this one. He would have, <laughs> he would have joined right in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was depressing. I guess it, well, it, it, be. it sure ended that way, didn't it? I mean, so, I was going to ask you if you had a, uh, you know, stop. was there was there a particular maybe in your youth and your, before you were married and dating was there you know an experience you had where you know, someone seemed perfectly, you know, for lack of a better word, normal, and then just through their own actions, uh, some sort of uh, social faux pas that they crossed that just like completely just shut that down in your mind. Where you, you know, you you were like sort of like entertaining the notion of a new relationship, new friend, and then, sure. yeah, too many phone calls are showing up at your workplace, and then you had to choke them out <laughs> on the street. <laughs> Well, not exactly that per se, but – and I've not seen it like you in um, just male-to-male or male-female friendships, but I have seen it in romantic situations before, even with myself. And definitely not to the same extent, obviously, um, but just hanging out with someone and they either wanted to take it too far too fast or um, thought that there was some level of commitment before there was – that can be off-putting, and I think a lot of people have probably experienced it in that regard um, and where you just kind of have to take a step back. And what tends to happen is uh, if you take that step back, then the other person's like, well, I just need to try harder. Um, obviously, that's I need to work harder to make that connection stay, and, and then you are even more um, uncomfortable with their advances. Uh, that I have experienced, and generally what ends up happening is you, you have to be very firm and very direct about, okay, well, this is not going anywhere now, um, and a lot of times those individuals aren't very self-aware, and they're often wondering, well, what did I do? What happened? Why did this was going so well? Well, it wasn't, and it hasn't, and there wasn't anything that was even existing for, for a long period of time. That I think a lot of individuals can relate to. I was always very cognizant of um... – it wasn't even coming across as needy because I, I also think that it's kind of sexist as far as you can have like a man or woman doing the exact same thing. Let's say just calling too much or like calling yeah. when there's not been, you know, uh, that's not been reciprocated yet. Uh, right. Like that, that, that awful like a moment from swingers. It's like one of my favorite movie scenes with the answering machine where he mm -hmm. just keeps trying to correct himself. And the, you know, just the hole, he just keeps digging. Um, it's actually like, I think the first time I watched it, it was like almost too hard to watch. Like one of those like cringiest like things where you just oh, yeah. want to avert your eyes. Uh, but now that I'm old <laughs> and like, I don't understand such things, I can just revel in old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I was always cognizant of being young of seeming too controlling. I think that's a very male thing. Like you could be doing the exact same thing. Like yeah, they haven't called you back. You try to call. You try to call again. I was always afraid of coming across as aggressive or like psychotic. I think women, when you would call them like psychos, like young women, like calling you, you know, more or like showing more affection or interest, there's a neediness where they come across as desperate. And I don't sure. think, I don't know. I don't know why that's, if that's, you know, you're a, a college professor. I don't know if those ideas have changed, if the playing field has been leveled or if, the, if people like, you know, still kind of put men and women into those like defined roles when they're actually doing the exact same thing. Uh, I think. In large part, it's still pretty similar. Um, and I think for at least with, with college age kids, because I do hear some of their stories about their lives and what they do outside of class. Do they even call anymore, though, or is it is it too many uh, text I messages? I, you know, I actually have two, uh, I guess I don't really call them kids, uh, but two folks that are in my class that are in a relationship now, and you would never know it. And they, they, they happen to sit next to one another, uh, but their interaction – and we're, let's see, uh, halfway through the semester. Their interaction is very minimal, and it's almost like when it does come up uh, – the first time it did come up at least, they were very uncomfortable about it because you could see that neither one wanted to really openly admit that they were fully engaged in a relationship. Do you think that's just for the uh, for their classmates, or is it how they would carry themselves like outside of it? Like they don't want to – it's like a, a boogeyman like don't don't yeah. speak the name of it don't name what this is that that i'm not sure of because you could make the argument that they're probably more comfortable around their friend group um outside of class but but still not completely alone with just each other but you, you i think you still see a lot of that even um in college aged uh, uh individuals that that still almost adolescent uh, we can't be too open about this or it's so awkward or it's still like letting people know I'm committed and that's, oh, that's icky, that kind of thing. Uh, so, so it's, it's Doesn't a feel like situation. young and stupid. Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I make jokes about it all the time. It's, it's, it seems ridiculous. It feels like a colossal waste of time. Like <laughs> not, not the relationship itself, but this, uh, the, you know, the coyness of it. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's like, we can't, like, we gotta be precious with this. It's like, no, you actually probably are going to be very reckless with it. And that's totally okay. Cause you're 18, 19 years old. I don't think they've come to the awareness that this is probably not going to be like their final relationship. So they're handling it with kid gloves because they, they See, maybe put an extra emphasis on it. That's why I felt for Isabella Hubert. Cause this probably is her final. <laughs> oh no. <relationship. laughs> She's got 12 purses. She's got more than one relationship coming up next. <laughs> Sometimes the fish don't bite. You don't know. This could, be, there. On, this could be on Golden Pond for her. This could be, <laughs> this could be it. Well, what a transition. If only we were doing that next. That would be. But that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if there's a romance there. If it's just like. It's just. Father-daughter Or father-daughter stuff. Yeah, probably not. All right. You've already ruined that, but going up to the bar and saying call me daddy <laughs> wouldn't that have been a great opener though for that episode <laughs> i'll recut it 
I'll, I'll, on this episode, I'll just make it seem like we were talking about On Golden Pond. Just cut out all the oh, actors' God. names. It'll be fun. I like it work. Derek Stewart, thank you for uh, another therapy session telling me about what the kids are up to. Uh, where can people follow you <laughs> if they want to uh, run pickup lines by you? <laughs> I do have a book. It's called The Dow of About <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, I am on Twitter, though. You can find me at DayStew. That's D-A-Y-S-T-E-W. I uh, don't normally have a lot of interesting things to say, just a bunch of retweets, I'll be honest. But it's always worth a follow. I- I'm trying to think what the uh, crossover is between people who listen to the Grand Gesture and our Seattle Seahawks diehard fans. <laughs> <laughs> There's not very many, I'm sure. Nah, I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Until next time. Um... I think we should talk about Copycat next, since I brought up Ted Bundy. Okay, yeah. There's a, there's a guy who won't <laughs> take no for an answer. Oh, no. <laughs> like, why do you, I mean, why? There's nothing I can say that, <laughs> that makes me feel comfortable at all. <laughs>